ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, Damien Carrick here. The last few weeks have been full of big legal stories, including the handing down of the findings in both the RoboDebt Royal Commission and ICAC's investigation into former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian. This meant that the law report didn't celebrate NAIDOC week and its theme for our elders. But today's program rectifies that omission. First broadcast in December last year, this program is a joyous celebration of the knowledge of elders and how that knowledge secured a significant native title consent determination. Now, one tiny update. One of the white elders you'll hear today, Justice Deb Mortimer, was recently appointed as Chief Justice of the Federal Court. Silence, all stand. The Federal Court of Australia is now in session. Be seated, please. Please call the matter for judgment. Courts are normally very formal and staid places, but this historic outdoor sitting of the Federal Court on Thursday Island in the Torres Strait was, despite the occasional torrential downpour, a joyful celebration. And with those orders by the Federal Court of Australia, your native title is recognised. Congratulations. Singing and dancing were central to the day's festivities. Singing was also crucial evidence in the native title proceedings. Hello, no. Justice Deborah Mortimer's consent determination recognises native title over more than 40,000 square kilometres of sea country in the Torres Strait and for the first time brings together mainland Aboriginal Australians with Torres Strait Islander Australians to achieve joint native title outcomes. Ned David is the chair of Gura Baradarao Cod, or GBK, it's the Sea and Land Council for the Torres Strait region. He's a traditional owner of the island of Yam. Words fail me. I think this is one of those um, once-in-a-lifetime things. Unprecedented, it's never happened before. Certainly not in the native title space where Torres Strait Islanders and um, Aboriginal brothers and sisters uh, have got a consent determination recognising, you know, combined groups' rights and interests um, in the waters. We're basically, I think, reconnecting amongst ourselves and reconnecting with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters who, you know, we've interacted with, worked with, shared, you know, a lot of this uh, sea country for a very, very long time. What's essentially happening here is, you know, Western laws finally caught up to and is recognising, you know, what's been around for, you know, a very, very long time. It's also 30 years since the High Court's Mabo decision that established native title. And, of course, Eddie Mabo was a Torres Strait Islander. And one of the people's involved in this litigation are the people of the island of Mare, Eddie Mabo's home. So, in a way, this consent determination is the completion of the circle. 30 years ago, the people of Mare achieved native title over the land, and now they have native title over the sea. Well, that's exactly right. This is a continuation of what um, Uncle Eddie started um, all those years ago, back in, you know, 80, 81, 82. Um, and the decision in 92, um, obviously, you know, everyone knows that, sadly, you know, that decision came after he passed. And, you know, those famous words, you know, you know, all the resources, all the fishes in the sea belongs to me and my people. And 
we're basically, I think, um, what we're doing now is delivering on, you know, those prophetic words that he said in, uh, in that clip. Justice Mortimer, a very, very significant uh, consent determination handed down uh, here on Thursday Island. Why is it so significant? It's significant for a number of reasons. It's significant because of the coming together of mainland Aboriginal groups, Ankamuthi and Gurunyangrakanu, and uh, people of the Torres Strait, the Kaureg, Kukagal, and Kemakema Meriam. So five groups coming together uh, in a landmark agreement about their sea country. And why is it a landmark agreement? Well, because of the unity that's been shown, uh, because they've put aside their differences and in a traditional owner-led negotiation process, they have been able to resolve um, differences about boundaries, about who has rights in which sea country, both within the native title space and then by a side agreement, a customary rights agreement, which is, as far as I know, a complete innovation in the native title jurisdiction. So the idea is that even though there are now lines in the sea, uh, dividing native title areas between uh, different groups, there is also this other form of agreement, this other form of recognition of, of traditional occupancy uh, of the sea country. That's right. And, uh, and to the people who live and work in the sea country, whose lives are bound by the sea country, um, those customary rights are just as important as anything else. And so to see them reach agreement on both fronts is really uh, terrific. Hey, let's move under some shelter. Can I get you to grab it? The, the um, rain is now coming bucketing down. Judge, but do you think this will make a difference to the real rise of people here? I do, and I've heard it from um, many of the native title holders themselves. They feel like they will be back in control of their country, having lost it through a process of colonisation, and now they feel that they will be on an equal footing in negotiating with uh, whether it's fishing operators or tourism operators, they will be at the table officially. And one of the advantages of it being over 40,000 square kilometres and with five different groups who, you know, really nutted out a, a kind of a, a, a comprehensive agreement, um, I know there are a few corners yet to be worked out, but essentially we've got a kind of a really comprehensive agreement. That provides a kind of a unified platform to come to the table uh, when, when these sorts of issues around resources and management are being decided. Precisely, and that's what I said today. People are more powerful together. And the groups that have come together today will have a significant amount of power in this region, and that is long overdue. In researching for this, I was permitted to look at some of the affidavits of the claimants of the, the Torres Strait Islander groups. And I saw some of the annexures, which were video and, and um, audio recordings of songs. Tell me, what for you were the most beautiful stories which made it clear that there was a very much an ongoing unbroken connection to the sea country. It's very hard to single one or two things out because honestly I've never seen, as I said in the formal reasons, such a treasure trove of material as I have seen in this. But I suppose the themes that stood out for me was the way people talked about their sea country, the way they talked about the waves crashing on the Great Barrier Reef and the sound they heard about that, the way they could navigate at night with the stars, the way they knew one reef from another reef. I mean, the depth of knowledge is something I think that it's hard for outsiders to comprehend. They understand their whole environment. They understand the seasons, the resources of the sea and the birds that go with those seasons, where to find them. They understand about limiting their hunting 
for sustainability reasons, they are the first and preeminent protectors of our environment and they need to be recognised for that. Thank you very much for speaking to the Law Report Judge. You're very welcome. Thank you, Damien. We need to now run in the rain. (laughs) This treasure trove of evidence convinced the federal and Queensland governments to accept the native title claims, avoiding the need for a trial. Hello, can I ask what's your name? My name is Betty Tekahika. That is my married name. But my maiden name is Ambedi Mabo. Another famous Mabo. I've heard of him. I'm the eldest daughter for him. And uh, so you're from Mare? I'm a Mare Island woman. Yes. I'm a composer. I'm a choreographer. Yep. I compose songs, dance songs, love songs, hymns. And, and do you sing songs about the sea, about the connection? I do sing songs about the sea, the wave, everything. What do you sing about? I sing, you want me to sing that one now for you? The song I, I've just finished saying for you, it's a song that it's I. I'm the one who made this song up. I composed this one for one of my family members, Go Away, and I'm looking over across the ocean. See you later, my friend. I'm waving at you, and the wave is bouncing high sky on the reef. So Zauber is the the wave. Waikarale is, I feel sad for you, my friend, you're going away. For people of Mer, the sea and the barrier are very important, aren't they? Yes, very important, because today now we're celebrating um, the land and the sea, and it is very important for us, as a Mariam uh, people too as well. I'm, sp- I'm speaking on behalf of the Maria Islanders, the Mer Islanders, because of our big reef that lies there next to our island, which is the Great Barrier Reef. Fallon Passy is a native title holder on the island of Mare. He's also Betty Mabo's cousin. Both regard the recognition of native title over the sea country as the completion of Eddie Mabo's dream. I also mean, when you talk about sea country, it's, it says, Manole sirirgetaker, ma vidvidgetaker, meaning that you don't pick on the shallow, you pick on the deep. And it goes to the, the, the huge connection between the people of the island and the sea around them. That's correct, because the water is common, as we all know. But what Koiki Omabo was saying back in, in his um, interview on Land Belong Island, he said, the prawn, the cray, trokers, and the trout belong to me and my people. So we don't talk about the water. We talk about the reef and the seafloor. What's there is belong to us. If the coral is spawned on the reef or on the ocean and we're born on the land, so we all related if we, if, if we call ourselves a traditional owner. You're traditional owners of land country and also sea country. Both land and sea country. You can hear the mezo, the, the sea breakers on the edge of the barrier from Mer, can't you? 
Yes, my song. And we have song for it. Can you sing me the song? My song. Oh, so the song is singing and calling out to you, all the family on Mir. That's my song. Can you sing me the song of Opno Zuba? This song was composed by my late brother. He composed the song and I asked him, I said, can I use your song for my affidavit to the, the sick lady? And he said, yes. And what does that mean? Mean the big from the big ocean, from the depth of the ocean, when when, when it's come to break on on the reef, it's formed from the outside, and it's that we call dub, bakoli. It come from there, then after it broke on, on the reef edge. What is good passion? Because people in Torres Strait, they have their own sea country, but they also share the sea country to some extent. Everybody respects each other. What is good person? What does that mean? Good people. Respect, playing most important part of everybody's life in the Torres Strait, and acknowledge the traditional owners of the country, sea country. So when traditionally, in canoe time and lugger and cutter time, when you travel to another part of the ocean, you acknowledge that it's somebody else's territory, but you are allowed to, to fish or to, to collect well, before you do that, you must visit whichever country, sea country, you, you want to walk. And when you visit, you ask for their chief. For their chief, to ask permission and permission show respect. Permission to, to, to come ashore. So, so it's really interesting, because in this consent determination, there are lines in the water, native title for one group and also for another group, but there are also agreements about traditional use underneath the native title. That acknowledges that, that deep history. That's it. Good person means good people. Good people. I've learned that the people of the Torres Strait would often, in the volcanic islands, load their, their boats with volcanic rock as ballast, and then they'd go and they'd go to Rain Island or other places and they'd um, pick up the, the guano or, or the feathers or, or, or the, the, the trochus or what, the ochre or whatever they were trading and, or collecting, and then they'd leave little piles of the volcanic rocks That's on, true. on the reef. And they're there and you I've can go... i a photo. And that shows occupation of the sea. It's like, it is like sea country because you are occupying that sea and you're putting up um, on the reef and it's visible, apparently, from the surface. That's correct, because you can't find that rock on Rain Island. The only rock that you can find there is on the three community, Marie Darnley and, and Stephen Island. But believe this has come from Marie Island. Yeah, so it's on Rain Island, but it's also even on the low tide areas of the reef, you can see it. That's correct. It's 30 years since Mabo decision of the High Court established native title. And, and it's coming full circle because I learned when I read your affidavit about people would collect guano, bird droppings, on other islands, and they'd bring them back for the market gardens of Myrrh. And it's, it made it clear to me what that connection was between the sea country and the land country, because you were relying on that sea to be on your land. On your land, that's correct. They, they were the same. That's correct.
Back in 2010, there was a native title decision of Justice Finn over big chunks of the Torres Strait, and this was the first case to confirm that native title can include commercial rights, such as fishing. But this new consent determination takes native title in a number of new directions. Graham Carter, barrister with Brisbane Chambers, is counsel for the Torres Strait native title claimants. It's the first time that Torres Strait Islanders and mainland Aborigines have joined together to achieve native title determinations. So it's the first time that these two First Nation groups have joined together for the mutual benefit of all to achieve native title. And secondly, seven native title claims will be partially determined today. And that is the first time that a determination would be handed down by the federal court that covers the areas of seven separate native title determinations. It's over a, a vast distance of sea, tens of thousands of square kilometres. It covers parts of the Torres Strait, the Coral Sea and the Gulf of Carpentaria. So both sides of Cape York Peninsula and an area to the north of Cape York Peninsula as well. And very importantly, parts of the Barrier Reef. It extends to um, the Outer Barrier. So the Barrier Reef um, is included in the native title determination. My clients, the Torres Strait Islanders, have provided significant evidence of connection to the barrier since before time, canoe time, where their ancestors have occupied and used the Great Barrier Reef and the islands and reefs in the, the area of the Great Barrier Reef for many thousands of years. And this determination today will also provide confirmation of their, their native title rights over the Great Barrier Reef. Kapawa George Gutchen is an elder from the island of Erab, who, like his ancestors, spent many years working on boats. He describes the Great Barrier Reef as a highway. That's how highway of travel, yeah. It, it's a highway? Highway, yeah. That's yeah. how we get about. Yeah. And you know the reefs, you know the winds, you know the tides. Yeah, reefs. You know the dangers. Winds. When it's dangerous to go out, when it's not so bad, or because we're confident we can... Because you've got that knowledge which has been handed down through the generations. Yeah, of course, yeah. That's, that's the knowledge we got from before, ancestor time. Tell me about this concept of sarap. It's a traditional law of the sea. What is that? Sarup, customary law, was practiced prior to Christianity. And sarup, it might sound cruel to today thinking, but at the time, the Torres Strait Island people made traditional law that you can't afford to sink in a canoe. There's no room for complacency. You sink, you'll perish also. And you don't necessarily get rescued. And that's the law of Sarap, is it? That, that uh, the society, you live on the sea and, and you can't help the weak in a way. You can't because the law was made so only the best seafarers lived in the region. And is it true that, from your affidavit, if, if uh, somebody was shipwrecked, they traditionally would be killed, and, and the idea that only skilled seamen could inhabit the Torres Strait? And, of course, it doesn't happen today, but, but even today, if someone needs rescuing, they will still have mixed feelings. They'll be happy to be alive, but still feel shame about what happened because for people in the Torres Strait, navigating the sea is like walking on land. Absolutely. If you've been stranded and you've been helped, you will always have this 
inner guilty feeling that um, you could have done better and you've been rescued and the people that knows the traditional law will definitely think back to ancestor time if it did happen to them and what would they do? Yeah. Can you sing me some of the songs in your witness statement? You had a song about Potagad. Can you tell me about that? It's a, um, the short, choppy, rough seeds in the middle of a channel. Potagad, Potagad, si kempe tudusi, wako abi aogotatide, tiri te marida. What does that mean? Sonit talking about that turbulence, uh, boisterous sea, giving praise to Podagat, Podagat, Sikempe, Imenemi, white, white caps. Uh, the white wave caps. White caps. Which are like and, uh, flowers. Uh, yeah. He also flowers when he, he become rough. And Yatudi means become angry. The sea has yeah. become boisterous or angry. Uh. Can you sing me a song, Atege? That's the song. What's it mean? You mean on the out outer edges of the Tabaria Rip Ter as Ter Terge. At gay mean at Terge. The waves come. Zeobero. No do bakoli mean the big ocean swells. No do bakoli. Opem seek barape down they break. My soul mean the the sound when they make the that big heavy um sound what do you call it? Raw, yeah. Yeah. And this song was included and a recording of you singing it, it's included in the witness statements because it kind of shows that these ocean swells, your ancestors were there, you had to voyage outside the barrier. You can't experience what you sing about unless you've been outside the barrier. If you're on the lee side, you don't see much. You need to be there to see the swells do. And, and the people of Erub knew all about this because they were, they were doing this regularly. They were in the sea, they were on both sides of the barrier reef. Yeah, both sides of the reef. If it's strong monsoonal time, you'll go to the east side of the reef because the wind is coming from the north, north, northwest. Southeasterly time, the predominant wind or trade wind, you mostly lee side on the north, northwest side. So the Great Barrier Reef is a highway. Brian Williams has strong family connections to Uga, also known as Stephen Island. In his affidavit, he spoke about an ancient tradition of embalming those who had passed away. It's called susor. Susor is a, is a smoking process that they would smoke the body in, in, a, in a rack of bamboo and the body is placed and tied down and it's turned above the smoke and this preserves the body. Uh, from uh, decomposing. This process goes on for about a week until the body then starts to, to uh, dry up in, a, in the process of going through the mummification. When the coming of the missionaries came here, that process then died out. A lot of the 
ingredients of this embalming process came from different areas. Tell me about those different areas which showed the occupation of the sea country. Our area, the old people, they would, they would travel from Stephen Island all the way down to Bubarwar Kaur, which is Rain Island, and they would collect the samples of sand when the turtle lays its nest. The, the siruro, the slime that incubates the turtle egg, is taken out of the, out of the sand and is put into the canoe. And they put that in, in a basket called an epe, a coconut weave basket, and they bring that back to Stephen Island. So just to clarify, so you had this crystallised sand. It was crystallised by the saliva of the nesting turtles. You collected that from Rain Island, which is about, what, about 180 kilometres away from... Yeah, from the eastern islands yeah. of where your people are from. And you'd bring that back and you'd use that sand in the embalming or smoking process. Yeah, when, when we get the red ochre, because they go to a place called Vale, just outside of Lock River. Lock River. On the mainland? On the mainland. They collect, because of trade again, and uh, they would collect these um, red ochre. And that mixed with the sand. And the volcanic um, uh, pet, I think they call it, but we call it zor, and it's mixed in with the sand and the red the ochre, and it's burnt. And also the other part of the red ochre is then in, screened onto the body. And some say like it's like susur where you wrap the thing, but it's more of wrapping the red ochre on the bodies, and that preserves the body. How important is the barrier reef to the people of the eastern claims area where you're from? It was their, their sea highway, as you said. Um, like within the barrier, we've got a name we call it Goligoli Kotsat, it means Black Sea. Then you've got Adnor, which goes outside of the barrier. So they use these two, they use the inner side to go down, and at night they'll come back on the outside of the barrier and using the, the we call it Zagu, the, the green library's phosphorus that, that greens up in the sea. And you can see that when you travel. I remember coming from, uh, from Rain Island with my dad, and we were on, on a boat called the Kashan. And uh, as we were going, we were, we were only about 500 metres off the reef, and you can see this pathway of green light just going for miles along the reef. Because when the breaker, when the wave hit the reef, it, it stirs up that green light, and you can see it go for miles, and you can never get lost. It just takes you all the way. And when you come at daybreak up towards uh, a boot reef, Ashboy Reef, you can see uh, Marianne and Clear, and it's, it's a picture perfect. You can't can't uh, go any other way, but that's how we, we, we trouble those reefs. Enid Tom is an elder of the Kaureg Nation, whose traditional lands include Thursday Island, which is also known as Waiben. I'll sing you this song that identifies who we are and where we come from. It's about someone walking around and looking at the sea and saying, this is my land, this is my sea. Aumabaka Kapui dino Malia dadia Zainukat kagari Mai Mai Zainukat that was magnificent. Thank you very much for singing to me. I, I, um, I feel very lucky. No worries. You have a nice day and thank you for your interview. 
This program was first broadcast late last year. Because of several recent important legal developments, we didn't celebrate NAIDOC week. But a little late, I really wanted you to hear the stories of these wonderful elders. A big thank you to technical producer Tim Simons and also to producer Christina Kukolia, who will be presenting the Law Report for the next few weeks. I'm Damien Carrick. Talk soon. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.